is a scene. Here goes Latavius Murray in for the score. Because their pensions, their health insurance, their families. So we are funding for other people's communities to have the promise of the American dream while we are denying it in our community. Going to get it in the flat to Murray. He makes a man miss at a big game for Murray, who's still on his feet inside the 15. To Latavius Murray and everybody making people miss this afternoon. So we want to put in context because it's not just a class issue, it's a race issue. We're telling black and brown people and poor people, you don't matter. Welcome to Afro Futures. We had a special episode today here. It's 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 a combination of Afro Futures, Pop Life podcast, produced and hosted by the one and only Jolie. Uh, and we have uh, a visitor here today who is and has been a part of the genesis of Afro Futures, Latavius Murray. I am so happy that the three of us are doing this special episode today. And welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Appreciate it. Really excited to be here, man. Thank you. Yeah. And welcome. Welcome back to Syracuse. Yes. Feel good to be home. It's been a good visit. It's been a great visit. It's uh, nothing like home, as uh, they always say, but I, it, it's true when I come here. Well, you know, it, it, it's it's funny because <laughs> the one the one time that I'm not in Syracuse, well, which will be kind of permanently, um, you are in Syracuse. And so it's kind of a, a little reverse where we we were in the studio and you were away and now you're in the studio and I'm away. But this, this, um, this episode was prompted because you reached out and was like, you know, there's something on my mind that I really, really want to talk about. And I'm going to just like frame it for folks a bit and then I'll let you just take it away. Um, you know, we here at Alpha Futures, as you know, as you've been listening, are intimately concerned about and um, committed to the futures of Afro-descended people across the diaspora. And there's a lot of variety to our community, right? There are Black Republicans, and I will, I will leave the political uh, affiliations aside. There are Black liberals, there are, and are, there's a whole spectrum of, of Black folk. And somehow it seems that when we have conversations about Black people or really Blackness, that we limit it to what, what really is a, a series of stereotypes. And so wanting to get, um, you know, your, 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 as I kind of segue into what, what you raised, um, and when you reached out to Joe and I, we're like, you know, listen, this, this topic that's really been on my mind for some time that I really care about and that I want to talk about, um, which I think is appropriate for us to talk about, and it's whether or not, you know, one is black enough or even what that means. So I'm going to let you take it from there and, and, and just get a sense from you as to like what's on your mind. Yeah. So, again, I think it just it just kind of there was a, a feeling that sparked where I just kind of thought back on like my life and, and just growing up and where I grew up and and where I'm at today in my life and and how I felt that maybe, uh, you know, you know, growing up was I or now am I accepted in in a way that black people feel that I'm similar, I'm different. Um, like you said, is there a difference of what kind of, you know, black dude I am? Um, and so it almost felt like it was a, you know, there is a stereotype on, on being black, especially maybe if you, uh, don't speak, uh, the same way. Um, if you don't act the same way, if you don't do the same things, if you don't listen to the same music, um, if you don't date the same kind of people, um, if, uh, you know, if you, maybe if you're successful and you're black, you should behave or act a certain way. Um, so I just think there, there, you know, I think we can remove that, um, or that at least needs to be a conversation on that, on, you know, how, um, regardless of, uh, where you're from, how you sound, you know, how you got to where you are, if you're black, you're black and, and everybody that is black should accept that and appreciate that about you. And I just don't think that's the case. And so, uh, so it can be hard. Um, you got to understand it could be hard for, for, for anybody, um, people of color in general to be comfortable and confident in that. And then especially speaking out, wanting to do something, let's say for the, the culture, 
uh, but don't feel that you're accepted or good enough to do it and speak out on about it. Yeah, this yeah, is I mean, it's one you. of those it's one of those this conversation goes back probably to when we were first brought to this country and uh, slaves were separated uh, b- between those in the field and those in the in, in the big house. You know, it's it's uh, these sort of insider outsider dynamics within our own community. And this conversation really came back into uh, the the uh, uh, the the national conversation when Barack Obama was running for for presidency and and the questions from black communities was was he black enough having a white mother and a African father and not particularly growing up in inner city black communities it was uh, a- as if we couldn't take pride in this man becoming the first black uh, first black president of the United States because parts of of popular black culture was trying to to determine that that this man was not truly black. So the question of what is black just continues to to pervade uh, our culture, and I think it's an important conversation. And I'm glad you you uh, introduced that. Well, I mean, to the to the point of Obama, right? So, I, the, I, and I remember this because you know, been I've been in politics a little minute. Um, I, I remember this really kind of coming to headway, right? Like there, there's this kind of mythologizing of Bill Clinton as like the first black president, right? So like we were totally, and I don't want to say we like, again, painting all black folk in a broad brush, but like there were a lot of folks who were like, you know, Bill Clinton was the first black president because he played a sax on our Hall Hall show, right? And, and smoked um, weed. And, and, and that, and, and smoked weed, right? So that was like totally like legit, but you actually have a dude who is, yeah, his father was from Kenya. Yeah, his mother's a white woman, but in American context, he's black, right? Like, because in the American context, if you have one drop of black blood, then you are black. And, and I think this question gets at so many fundamental issues about not just who we are as black people, but who we are as a country um, and the way that we've acculturated and organized society in ways to like facilitate for these divisions, certainly during chattel slavery, certainly during the transatlantic slave trade, that was a, a, a major, major, major um, mechanism that was utilized to structure society, right? To stratify society, and not just in the US, but also in Latin America, right? Like the largest percentage of Afro-descended people outside the continent of Africa are in Brazil, right? Something that many people will not assume, but is the case. And, and we see constantly over and over and over again, these kind of ideas. Um, but, I, and I remember actually um, being in London when Obama became the official nominee um, and having conversations with my roommate weeks prior to that. Uh, I'll never forget this dude, Pierce Freelon. We probably should figure out how to get on the show. Um, but Pierce, uh, he, he and I were talking and, and and there was a conversation again about like whether or not Obama is black or black enough. And, and Pierce was pretty explicit, like, no, like you're, the dude is black in America. You can't you can't navigate America as a black person without society treating you as such, without laws treating you as such. And so perhaps he went to Harvard Law School. Yeah, perhaps his syntax and diction are slightly different, whatever that might mean, perhaps. Yes, he, his father didn't uh, have, uh, you know, come from the descendants of, of formerly enslaved people, but does that make him any less black? And I think to your point, Latavius, you know, uh, what what prompted you to like feel about, like, was there like a moment that like, because in the Obama situation, it's like a moment where we as a country are having a conversation about like, whether or, not, whether or not America is a post-racial country, which by the way, it's not. But we, we, it, the Obama example forced us to ask a lot of questions. There was a confrontation. What was the confrontation that made you wanna have this conversation today? You know, I, I, I hear you say that like, you know, there's a lot of questions about like, you know, whether if you're successful, and I, I would even imagine um, perhaps, you know, there's this assumption that because you're a black man and because you're a black man who's a professional athlete, if you have a responsibility to whatever the quote unquote black issues are, right? Um, you have to be out in the street protesting. You have to sign up for every 
you know, so so what what's the what what is what are the conversations that you've been having with your friends that made you both feel that you were isolated, but also feel that you wanted to have this conversation today? Yeah, I think you just really called it. And, you know, obviously I was kind of transparent with, with you two enough to to know when we kind of first got involved, you know, I I felt it was my 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 duty to to try and do something and try to um advance the the black community but you know maybe it wasn't the the way that I wanted to go about it and so maybe I felt that and not from YouTube but maybe just society in general that it was a sense of uh of of pressure or obligation that I just had to fulfill when like I do it I do it uh authentically right I do it you know anyway but to feel that pressure I felt from the black society and social media. I think, I think that was maybe one of the things from family. Um, right. Let's say the, the Drew Brees situation happened and you wouldn't, have, you won't even imagine how my phone blew up, man. Hey, what what you think about what that dude said? I, I know uh, the, the Drew Brees situation, but like for folks who may not, who may be not uh, as familiar, you want to unpack it a little bit for them? Yeah. So, um, uh, last year, you know, Drew made a comment just basically saying, you know, when when it came to, pr- to protesting and or peaceful protesting and kneeling for the flag. And he just said that he's still, you know, even after, you know, kind of the whole, you know, black lives movement. And, you know, he still doesn't agree with anyone who chooses to kneel for the flag. And mainly because, you know, his grandfather served and and whatnot. And so. It got a lot of backlash, uh, you know, from teammates. You know, Malcolm Jenkins sp- spoke out, but got a lot of, you know, backlash from athletes. LeBron, I think, uh, some other Eminem. Eminem made us uh, put him in a, one of his verses on a song. So he got a lot of backlash. And so obviously that's just how s- society is in the world is, for one. You know, especially that initial, you know, everybody hates him now, right? Everybody's, oh, Drew, F Drew, forget Drew. So I got family members too, even reaching out. And it's like, when you think of this again, and that's why it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta be comfortable with who I am in my own skin. And regardless of how my family or a black community or person might look at me, I know Drew. I, I've dealt with Drew on numerous occasions. I've, I've broke bread with Drew. You know what I'm saying? I know him as a person. I know he's not racist. You know, but for to feel some type of pressure like, nah, man, you should say something to this dude or you should be against him now. You know, I couldn't do that because that's just I know me and uh, and anybody close to me around me, black, white, yellow. They they know how I am and they know I'm a genuine dude. And they that's just so I just had to be real about even that situation. But just to see that situation and that's how things could go on just really in life. Um, and, and, and I think that was a really, really good example for me on being true to myself, being true to who I am and how I treat people, regardless of what pressure or what, you know, feelings my community or the black community might feel about it. Now I should, I should say that he has since felt educated uh, on the issue and, uh, and, and, and retracted, um, some of some of his comments. Yep. I'm a I'm a huge NFL fan. I'm a huge football fan. Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, <laughs> had the, to, had the, to throw that from, in from, there. From huh? from what I understand uh, about NFL teams, uh, I mean, you guys prepare to go to war on Sundays yep. and Mondays and Thursdays and sometimes Saturdays. Mm-hmm. You you guys are in the trenches together. These 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 people become your brothers, right? Um, and so the expectation for you, uh, I, I can imagine the expectation for you to renounce your brother from other people that are your brothers is is, is a difficult thing to to deal with, and and, and it just gets to this this uh, th- this issue of us trying to homogenize what it is to to, to be black, right? Um, that uh, I, and and I, and I think it's. You know the the rise in in black popular culture is informing how we should behave and how we should act and who we should 
uh, align with and ally with. And it's a it's a difficult thing because there there is no homogenization, you know, of of black culture. Your experience growing up, Yusuf's experience growing up, my experience growing up probably has some similarities, but just as many uh, dissimilar things uh, and differences, which make us all different people. Right. Um, And so, you know, I can imagine what you might have been going through when people reaching out to you, telling you to, to renounce renounce your brother and what you probably did was just have a conversation with him right right when when the situation happened i'm going to tell you the first thing i did say to him i told him if i'm being honest i said hey love you man you know here for here for you you know let me know if you want to talk about anything that was the first thing i said to him i did not go which i know some people did teammates did i didn't go to twitter i didn't go to whatever instagram and say something about a man that I, I've spent, you know, a few years with, you know, up until that point, like almost two years with a man that I felt I knew. So I just didn't think that was the right way to go about it, regardless. Like that's we humans. And I think a lot of times sometimes we we kind of forget that it doesn't matter, you know, what the man said. We got his phone number. We as teammate, you as you call yourself a friend, a teammate, you got his phone number. Text that man, call that man and ask him how he really felt. Before you go on Twitter and do it, it don't matter, you know, what was said. Um, that's that's a normal hum, human interaction that you, we, we still have compared to anybody else in the world. They yeah, you know, my cousins, they can go tweet and talk about their anger. I can actually give them a call and ask them why he said what he said or, you know, tell me what your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. But, um, you, you know, and then there's another like you just mentioned, we all grew up. Uh, different backgrounds. But even what I've learned in life is that, uh, you know, we talk about black struggle a lot. And I'm uh, I'm not ignorant to that at all. I know how my mom was brought up. I know the struggles of my dad, their, you know, parents, their grandparents. I know it. But a lot of times I think people forget, man, there's been some people that aren't of color that's grow, grown up with a very, very, you know, rough struggle, just as, just as, just as tough and, and, and literally. So again, you know, trying to, uh, maybe sometimes, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, downplay, you know, other people's struggles or experiences all because, you know, we're black. Also, you know, I don't agree with that too much either, but yeah, so uh, again, it's it's a matter of, you know, you're black enough when it works, uh, but then you aren't when it's, you know, when it's not, you know. So I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, there was a lot there, right? And I want to, I want to just unpack a little bit. Um, I, I, I definitely believe in, and I'll, I'll even take it biblical, right? Um, when when you know Pharaoh is plaguing the the the, the Hebrews in Egypt you know, God tells Moses to talk to him, right? Like God knows that Pharaoh's going to do what he's going to do, but he says, talk to him. So to your point, this sense of like engagement or the sense of like having a conversation with folks is really, really important. Um, and I, I, I do think it's necessary. I will also say that for some people, that's not their ministry as, as I think the phrase is like, they've, they've had decades of those conversations that they've now moved on to like needing to focus on other work. And both of those are okay, right? Like, None of, none of those are wrong. I think both of them are just different people's approach to a problem. But th- there's also this, um, and I, I guess I'm pushing back a little bit. Um, I'm gonna push back a little bit on the, not that there aren't people of color who don't have difficulties, because they do, for sure. Like my wife is from Bangladesh, right? Like she didn't grow up wealthy in the US, like they struggled, right? Um, my, um, I have friends and relatives who are white or Asian who, have all experienced in some way or form some type of systematic structural oppression, right? Fred Hampton, when he was organizing, tried to pull in all these disparate groups together, Black people, Asians, white people, et cetera, because the, the, the central attack was, was, was the way that society was structured to facilitate for these inequities. So I, there is a truth about, you know, 
many of us being in the pot together and the need to identify solidarity, right? Identify that like we are struggling, but there are also others who are struggling. But then there's also a very unique way that Black people have been oriented in society. And, and by that, what I mean is society is built on this idea. This country is built on this idea of white supremacy. So, so at this pinnacle of white supremacy is not going to be a Black man, right? Or a Black woman or a Black trans person. Under a white supremacist framework, the pinnacle of society, everything in society is oriented to advance white heteronormative Christian men. And while we are all also in some respects in a struggle collectively, that struggle looks very different um, when you are a, a Black person uh, or another person of color. And so I, I, I know that you're not, and I am, because we are in a cancel culture moment and because we are in a Twitter world, I don't want you to be canceled because of something like you said that I think was misinterpreted. But I just want to lean into this sense that like, yes, there are white people, non-black people of color who struggle, who, who live through poverty, who have significant hardships. And at the same time, that is very different than the black struggle. And in fact, I remember, and it's another person we got to have on the show just because she's brilliant. Um, Michelle Shenandoah of the United Nation, you know, is a Native American woman, right? From from an from a community that has practiced their democracy for a thousand years, who's influenced our own government in the U.S., right? Like her her the Haudenosaunee, inappropriately referred to as Iroquois Confederacy, influenced our U.S. first government. And when we were having a conversation, she was like, you know, I'm all for Black Lives Matter, and 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 we are definitely like, we recognize this. Um, and at the same time, we also have to recognize the way that indigenous Native Americans have been impacted, right? So in that sense, there's a sense of like, yes, you can say Black Lives Matter and you can be clear, but also say that there are other communities who are also in struggle. And when we do and recognize that, that solidarity, that we're actually more effective. And the last thing I'll say to this before I pass it off, you said one thing that I thought was super important you know, this show is called Afro Futures, and certainly um, I, I think it's important for us to unpack our current, you know, lay of the land for people to get a basic common set of understanding or language. But oftentimes I think about, man, can we, do we only talk about Black struggle? Like, if this is a show about Black futures or Afro futures, how are we thinking about the, the amazing innovation that we've created, the, 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 the imagination for a different future. And in fact, I'm beginning to try to shift the show a bit to actually be a conversation about our futures and about the realities of the world that we're creating. Yeah. And so just wanted to, to, to leave those three uh, jewels with you both to see what, what your thoughts are. Yeah, let me, let me go ahead and say it out of my mouth, like you said, so I don't get canceled. I am definitely not ignoring... Um, the struggles of, um, you know, a, per, a people of color and and how it's, you know, been established, you know, throughout our history for a really, really long time. And so um, but but as you as you mentioned, there's other, you know, communities and uh, groups um, that face, uh, you know, that face struggle. And I just wanted to point that out because I guess the only reason I say that is because um Again, we can and I can bring up my own personal family and my own personal experiences. So where, you know, let's just say, uh, OK, I took a trip to Haiti um, and this is kind of one of the things that just kind of opened my eyes and I took a trip to Haiti and it was it was life changing. I, I felt that I've, I've seen real poverty uh, as opposed to, you know, being here in the U.S., right? I know there's poverty and I know I know there's struggle here in the U.S., without a doubt. I felt I seen a different kind of poverty and struggle going to Haiti, which just kind of changed my mind on, like, even I'm more appreciative of what I have. And, and then it was almost a feeling of, like, man, this is, this is real poverty. This is real struggle, right? Um... These people don't have a real roof over their head, you know, as opposed to maybe, you know, there's family members that think they're doing bad, think they're doing, you know, they're down bad when, you know, it's 
I won't say it's not necessarily the case, but I, I just again, I just had a different experience in seeing some a different kind of poverty and struggle over there to where you know I came back with a different frame of mind on maybe what's you know what's what's real struggle and what what isn't. But again, it made me more appreciative of what I have and and again how I can you know help. Yeah. Uh, but just the difference. I, th- I think where we uh, where we get into uh, troubling waters is uh, when we're when we're sort of dealing with the the need to uh, advocate for rights uh, of our people, of our brothers, of and our sisters, and conflate that with cultural representation, right? Uh, because even though you and I can fight for the 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 the, the right. Um, and the equality of, of our people, we still come from from very different, in, in many cases, very different backgrounds, right? So that your identity uh, as a black man is different from my identity uh, as a black man, and uh, and I don't know if there's a way to be to to separate that uh, within our culture because they're it's just conflated. You know what what you're talking about in in terms of uh, advocating for people, you know, it's different from how people are accepting you as a black man. See, race is an invented category, right? And it's a, it was invented uh, as a way to separate people, right? And, and I, I, I just think we should be looking for ways to not separate and, and come together. Um, there's a way to be a part of the struggle, uh, to fight for rights, uh, to advocate for brothers and sisters, um, but still not have to conform to somebody else's idea of what it is to, 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 be, to be black in America. Um, I am considerably lighter than the two of you, right? What uh, <laughs> you can see me on camera. Stop it. And, uh, you know, and so I remember having a conversation because that screwed me up from when I was a child, man. When, when, when growing up in uh, the Cherry Hill section of, of Baltimore, Maryland, inner city, Section 8 housing, um, you know, people telling me because of the, the tone of my skin, and my hair was relatively uh, straight and I wore it long, that I wasn't black, right? And in fact, they, they called me when I used to, in the summertime, pull my pants down to pee outside. You could see the tan line. They called me White Heine, right? And so I got teased for that for, for a number of years. And I remember having a, conver- I remember having a conversation with uh, Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael, when I was working at uh, WEAA in, in, in Baltimore. And after the conversation, after the interview, um, you know, he was talking about how how wonderful it was to to live in Africa and and not have uh, all of the the baggage that that came with being a part of of black American uh, culture. And he's like, you, you really have to come visit. And I said, what you know, as a as a fair skinned black man, would I be accepted? Uh, over there as black. And he said that he said there are many rooms in my father's house and you're welcome in all of them, you know, which was a a whole different way for me to start thinking about who I was as a fair skinned black man growing up in inner city Baltimore. So I I think we got to figure out a way to um, to stop trying to homogenize the black experience and still advocate for what we, you know, believe in in terms of of black struggle i think one of the cool things uh when uh me and my boys had read the uh malcolm x uh, uh biography and i want to say he he kind of had a a change his, his frame of mind changed when he said he vi- visited mecca mm-hmm. uh it was then when he realized that he he could call brothers and sisters uh people that were fair fair skinned or even white and I just thought that was a just a, a a cool moment to see someone, especially with where his frame of mind was prior to visiting, um, and then once he left. And so, um, you know, just like you're saying, Joe, I just think, uh, you know, I think we need more experiences like that, you know, for we can remove the judging. I, th- I think know, we 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 accepting. I think we really got to sort of push back on letting <clears throat> pop popular culture define, you know, black culture, right? And, and when when you look at what what is considered black culture today, you know I think it's it's heavily influenced by either you know hip hop music, urban living, language, um, and if if language 
is going to define my blackness, I'm in real trouble. As, a, as an aging man, I can't keep up with the changes <laughs> in, in language. As soon, right. as, I, as soon as I get a word or a phrase down that is popular in popular black culture, they've moved on. And I sound old and dated and 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 not hip, you know. And so, you know, I think we we gotta we gotta start pushing back on 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 popular culture, trying to uh, uh, define what it is to be in black culture in America. One one of uh, our young- record, you, you said it, not me. I just want the record to be clear. Sorry, go ahead, let's do this. One of our new draft, uh, one of our new draftees. Uh, I, he's from the area actually but hanging with him and i'm just like man the, the slang is completely different like i'm out of the loop now i really thought i was i thought i was cool so i'm I'm getting that same feeling joe even now with my kids it kind of scared me like dang when i get my kids i'm old huh i'm nothing <laughs> nothing is cool about me anymore to them but you brought up the language part and uh and maybe the slang or the the how we talk or being you know i guess black and maybe talking proper right like jay-z said something in an interview and uh he was i don't know who he said was maybe clowning him or saying man you talk you know uh, proper or you talk white i think he said they said to him and he said what do you mean i talk like i know words and i just thought that was very powerful because it's like since when is it wrong to talk sound educated especially if you're black What's wrong about that? And so I think you make a real good point, Joe, with that, especially not letting the pop culture influence on how good or how it isn't a bad thing to sound, talk, educated. Yeah, I mean, I think all these are conversations that we as black people have been having since we've been on this continent, whether it's language in the context of our um, original languages across Africa, you know, and, and being brought here and then being put together with people who speak different languages, uh, di- who are different shades, who are different ethnicities, whether it's, you know, the big house or in the field, light skin versus dark skin, free versus enslaved, you know, and, and as time continues to progress, you know, there's the talented 10 and, and the, you know, George Washington Carver, like all of these conversations are, uh, are, are conversations that we have had about who is black, who isn't black, what is, uh, you know, captured within our experiences. And I'll, I'll say as a, because uh, both of you are married to black women, right? And my wife is not black. And, you know, I, I, I think people are like, oh, he's Yusuf's down, he is with the cause, he's for the movement. Um, and then they're like, but his wife is not black. So is he really, right? And, and maybe people don't say that. I know people have said it. But maybe people don't say it, and maybe I'm just self-conscious about it. Though, I, again, I know people have said it. Um, but it, 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 for me also, I, I try to struggle between that question with my two-year-old, right. right? She's Black, and she's Bangladeshi. So she is, to me, because she's in the U.S., she's always going to be a Black girl. Mm-hmm. Just like, the way that the U.S. is going to, the way that we are acculturated in this society, if Mariah Carey is a black girl, Maya Abdukin is a black girl, right? So without without a doubt. But I don't want her to only, I don't want her to not also be Bangladeshi, right? I, right. I don't want her to also not know her mother's language, know her mother's culture, know her culture, know her language, know her heritage. I actually want her to have that and to know those experiences. I want her to be comfortable going to the Bronx where I'm from, and also being comfortable going to Dhaka, where her mom is from, and being able to navigate both of those societies and both of those cultures unapologetically without anyone feeling that they can determine what her blackness is. And I'll tell you, as a dark-skinned Black person, um, you know, I, I have most of my life been saying, well, are you really Black? Like, I know you're Black, but are you Black, Black? I'm like, no, I'm Black, Black. Like, my mama from Baltimore, my father's from Harlem, my grandparents from South Carolina, North Carolina. Like, we can go back. Like, Dude, I'm but, Black, Black. Yeah, but, doubt. but and, and when you ask yourself that question, on what definition are you are you basing that question, right? So yep. what what does it, what what is Black? You know, I mean, we know color is going to identify you within this American culture, but but aside from that what what makes us what makes us black and you know it's the the nuances 
of of inner city life influence, I think, to a degree, black culture in America. My, you mentioned your your kids, uh, your, your your daughter. My two daughters grew up in Fayetteville, New York. You know, it don't get much lilier white than that, right? <laughs> um, black father, black mother, growing up in Fayetteville, New York, uh, where many times the only black child in uh, in in their class in school, they're gonna they're gonna be different. They're gonna identify differently than someone who, who, say, grew up in my neighborhood. They identify differently than I do because of, of the way I grew up in my background. So, you know, that doesn't make them any less, uh, any, any less black, right? So it's, a, it's just, it's, it's this conundrum that we really got to, as a, as a people, got to really push beyond because I think what we should always be looking for is how do we improve? Not only improve ourselves, improve our standing, improve our children, improve our careers, improve our culture. You know, we should always, title of the show, Afro Futures, be looking toward the future and how we evolve as people rather than sort of uh, trying to stay stuck um, in, in some culturally defined box. Yusuf, you and not defined by us, by the way, right? right. Like that, that, that idea of what is black and who is black isn't something that, like, it's something we're inheriting from non-black people. Uh, right. But Latavia, you're going to say something, I'm sorry. Yeah, you had brought up the point about your wife, and I was trying to figure out a way to ask the question. So but you, since you had mentioned it, I want to pose the question, I guess, just really to the group where there's uh, there's black men, but... There's a lot of black women who can't stand to see uh, a black a black man with a you know dating someone that's you know a non non black put it that way you know and so I guess I just want to ask you guys and are their frustrations valid right or or or, or where do you think that stems from? Well, that's yeah, some, that's um, some baggage I ain't gonna touch. <laughs> 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 no, it's just, I, I you see it you see it. And you hear it a lot. Yeah. Um, I, my, my position has 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 evolved on that over the years. Right. Um, I mean, I grew up in uh, as, as a young man, a conscious young, young adult in the 80s and 90s. Right. And and, and that was for me at the height of uh, the, the sort of post 60s uh, black pride. You know, black culture was really taken off with hip hop. All that stuff, and so my 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 view of it back then was was definitely that um, if it was a brother or sister was was a sellout if if they chose to to love someone someone else. In fact, my mantra at that time um, was that you know I was going to marry a black woman, I was going to have black children, I was going to raise them to be black and proud. Over time, you know, I, I know the importance of love of trust. Of of having someone in, in your life that has your back, and and I know the the I think the struggles of defining people by color, you know, is uh, the the detriment that it can have on on an individual psyche. And so, um, you know, without that love, we wouldn't have the first black president of the United States. Without that love, uh, probably many other. People who have gone on to do great things uh, in this country uh, would not be around. So, you know, again, sort of breaking down another silo of uh, defining who we are as as people, I think, is important that we kind of get rid of that one, too. Can I can I let me let me. um... Yeah, you're the one with the non-black wife. So you go ahead. There's a a lot there, man. and how do I say this so I don't get in trouble so I can still keep my life? Um, <laughs> so I um I spent a lot of years. My family is uh, my mom was married more than once, and I'm I'm the the product of her last marriage and the youngest of, of eight. And my um, half my siblings are black and Puerto Rican, and I grew up in a black Puerto Rican Muslim family. So. Half my family is Muslim, half is not Muslim, half are Black and Puerto Rican, the rest of us aren't, but we all grew up in this kind of Afro-Latino Muslim family and we're very close-knit. Um, and, and I always, because there were so many complexions in my house, right, like I have 
You I mean your light skin? Like when I lived with my oldest brother, they're all your complexion, Joe. So like I was the only dark skinned person in that house. Um, my sister's kids, some are like like I have a niece who basically is a dirty blonde. Like her hair is dirty blonde, um, and she looks very perceivably Puerto Rican. And I have a nephew who looks. Three of her kids look very clearly Puerto Rican, um, and some look darker, right? So like my family's like literally every color. I have a brother whose wife is from Cambodia. Uh, so his kids look black and, and Asian. So my family is this already this hodgepodge. And I always in my consciousness were like, you know, I, I'm, I'm black, I'm educated. And the stereotype is that when a black man gets educated, he goes and finds a white woman. Yep. And I was like, I'm not doing that, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna marry a black woman and I'm, I'm gonna make sure that like that happens. And, and in particular, I'm also Muslim. So I was like, I'm gonna make sure that she is a Muslim, right? So there's even layers to this because the African-American Muslim experience, um, people who are of the, of the same kind of um, religious trajectory as Malcolm X, et cetera, is very different than the, than the African immigrant Muslim experience, right? Um, and so I was even more particular about like, I'm going to marry a black Afro-descended of enslaved people, Muslim wife, right? And then I went to Syracuse University and I was like the only Afro-descended, uh, you know, the descended of enslaved African people for many years. Um, and you fall in love who you fall in love with. And I'm completely unapologetic about how brilliant, how smart, how loving, how supportive, how nurturing my wife is. I mean, like there is not someone who has been as much in my corner as her. And as I matured, I was like, this is stupid. I mean, in one sense I understand, I deeply understand the community's um, concern, right? Like a sense of progress for our community is having, you know, the, the reestablishment of, of, of the black family, which has been attacked for generations. And I get it, right? right? In another sense, you can't help who you fall in love with, right? And if it were that like, it, which is I think very different than I'm never going to marry a black woman or I'm never going to marry a black man. That I think is to me a line that's inappropriate um, for whatever reason, I, well, I just yeah. don't. I was gonna. I, I, I was gonna say, let me let me attempt to channel the the, the sisters just a a little bit here, <laughs> in that I I, I think uh, I don't think um, I think a lot of black women, you know, don't have a problem with that. What they have a problem with is why you choose to go that route. So I don't think people have a problem with two individuals meeting and falling in love. But there are there are brothers out there that that mentally you know, yeah. specifically target people. Outside. I'm not marrying a black woman. Exactly. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. That is problematic yeah. uh, for, is. for, for anyone and, and particularly black women who feel, uh, feel rejected. Um, and, and, and I, and I get that. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I, I think it really comes down to, uh, you know, people, uh, mutual minds, mutual hearts, meeting, falling in love, getting together um, versus someone saying, I don't like, Black women, I'm going for something else. Yeah. Black women don't appeal to me visually. I'm going for something else. Or black women are at a certain level. I see myself rising above that level, and I need this to make me feel like I've reached that level. That's problematic. Yeah. M much similar to probably your kids, Joe. I grew up in the suburbs of you know Syracuse, went to Onondaga Central. So, uh, you know, I think... What plays a big part, too, in that, at least for me early on in, in my life, was my surroundings. At home, you know, mom, just me, my mom, and my brother, but, you know, dad lived in Florida in the South. Uh, but when I went to school, I mean, I'm surrounded by, you know, white people. So there was a, there was also just a, a sense of comfort that I built just with my surroundings and who I was around. And it wasn't really until, I would say, probably college when I went to, you know, UCF to where it's like, you know, man, I'm with a melting pot, you know what I mean? And and here I'm surrounded by people of all color, uh, teammates who are black compared to Onondaga. Most of my teammates were white. So I think also even surroundings play a huge part, especially just young in life. And uh, 
probably one of the biggest reasons why I try now at least to give my kids that um, that diversity when I can, um, just because I, I know how important that is and, and I know how, what it's done maybe to me in my life, too. You know, one of the things I wanted to bring up, and, and I know we're running on time here, is it's the, the, the shame of it all is that uh, as as black men, often when we go into uh, either the workplace or educational um, uh, institutions, wherever, where it's predominantly white, we, we tend to, to, to put on masks, right? We, we tend to wear a mask to go in to sort of uh, represent our, our races as uh, intelligent people, as thinkers, as contributors, and, and often don't bring our authentic selves to, to those environments. Um, and, and, and now having to do that within our own culture, right? Uh, wearing the mask if you want to be uh, seen hipper, if you want to be seen more black. You know, it's, it puts us in a, in a, in a difficult uh, situation and position to just be authentic. Mm-hmm. And, and I can tell you this, uh, as a 56-year-old now, um, my I don't GAF meter is 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 on a high, right? I mean, I just don't. I don't care. Right. I'm I'm going. You going to get me, um, in the boardroom. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You going to get me in Wegmans. You going to get me wherever. This is going to be the authentic. The older I get, uh, the more I'm done trying to prove myself to whatever world I'm floating in at that moment. Mm-hmm. You're just going to get Joe Lee because because I'm just too tired. I'm too tired to wear the mask. I'm too tired to be performative um, in these spaces. Um, and, and I think I wish I, I should say I wish I had come to that conclusion much earlier in my life. It would have saved me a lot of aggravation. Me too. I, I think I think the and I'm not saying this because I think I'm better than because by no means is that the case. But I think that I've been able to feel comfortable in doing that because I have I'm the youngest. So I've watched all of my other siblings and their experiences and and others around me and family. And I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm just gonna be Yusuf. And if you like Yusuf, great. Cause when I try to be somebody else, you don't like me. If you don't like Yusuf, that's your loss, right? Um, but I'm not gonna allow anyone to question my blackness. I'm not gonna allow anyone to question my commitment to my people because I've I put in the work um, and I'm putting in the work and, and, and deeply committed to black liberation and for the liberation of all black people, not just the ones that I like, um, but all the black folk. Um, and so I, I think that it's, um, I think you're right in that when we get to a place, but it's hard, it's hard because you want, you want to advance in your career, you want to advance professionally, you want to advance financially, um, and, you're, and you're swimming against the current that's already started a race after everyone else started. And so I, I, I understand people's struggles with that. It just, it, for me, it's, it's even more um, consistent in that, you know, just, I don't feel the need to be bending myself to anyone else's perspective. We got a few minutes left. Um, Latavius, do you want to round us out with, with your thoughts? Yeah, I, and I just want to kind of maybe hit on that. And I think uh, kind of like you guys said, wearing a mask, it's, it's extremely hard too when obviously you're in a spotlight and you know you got a lot of people that's looking looking for you on you know how you're gonna act how you're gonna respond the how whole role model thing yeah the role model thing right so where it's like you know can I not post this should I not post this how is this gonna look how is this gonna affect my image to where you know again I think that it comes with time it comes with maturity to where it's like look I, you know I'd be thinking to myself still I love hip hop. You know what I mean? I, I love it. I got kids. I don't care. They, I, I'm cool with them knowing that. So it's, you know, but at the same time, you know, yes, I'm a father, right? Yes, I understand. I, I want them to grow up and be respectful and, you know, watch their mouths and watch their language. But it's it's just who I am. And that's where I'm at with my life right now. But um, I think the biggest thing, though, was having kids. And that kind of helped me to be who I am, right? Because I'm their dad. And this is your dad. This is this is how your dad act. This is how your dad talk. This is me. And so you you really have to find a, you know, a line in the middle, stand there more so for your kids, because now you're raising human beings and you want them to have that kind of mentality. So I think that's helped me a lot as well. But um, as far as wrapping it up, man, I think, you know, this again, uh, you know, me reaching out, it all stemmed from just 
a real authentic conversation that I think I wanted to have, and I think we had it. Uh, probably didn't hit everything, man, but I'm I just thought it was real necessary. It was something that was on my heart, on my mind, and uh, and so I really appreciate y'all, man. I really do. Well, we're, we're happy to have you. Glad to have you back uh, <laughs> on the on the show that you helped launch, uh, and uh, good to see you in person. And before I kick it back to to you, Yusuf, I, I just want to uh, point out a couple of because I, I plan on. Um, you know, uh, getting a, a couple of books, and there's a lot written about this subject. Um, we'll leave the folks with uh, with a couple of potential books to, to check out. One is Black Enough, Stories of Being Young and Black in America. It's an anthology. And then there's also a book, uh, it's called um, Am I Black Enough for You? Popular Culture from the Hood and Beyond, written by Todd Boyd. I'm going to check out both of those to, uh, you know, get, get a better understanding of sort of where we are with this this whole thing. Well, I mean, Latavius, welcome back again. The the other points that um, we didn't get a chance to talk about today, we definitely can have you back and have more conversations. You're always welcome. And I, I think this is such a, a the 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 thing the thought I want to leave people with is that people don't get to define your blackness. Um, they don't get to define who you are. You get to do that. And I hope the folks that are listening uh, to today's episode, he was sense that um, your blackness is not a commodity that someone else can trade, that in fact, um, they can't deny you that. Um, we've denied a lot of things, but we won't deny you that. Um, this has been Afro Futures and Pop Life with Joe Lee and Latavius Murray. Super happy to have these two brothers. We got to do this again. That's a, 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 a Afro Futures Pop Life mashup. I like that. <laughs> Afro Futures is produced by WAER Public Radio with producers Joe Lee and Kevin Kloss. 